Entrepreneurship is a highly, highly creative activity. Creativity is so incredibly valuable. And being around so many entrepreneurs and professionals in a more corporate environment, such as Vector, I hear all the time that I'm not a creative person. I have to disagree because being human is to be creative. It's something that is unique to our brains and every human brain has that capability. Creativity has led Nick Conadera to a career in filmmaking. In fact, Nick gave up a six-figure video production business to go out on the road and take time to write stories. What Nick has found is that there's a strong correlation between the skills that are required to be a creative artist and those that are necessary to be a great entrepreneur or salesperson. Entrepreneurship is a creative art, and its tools are people and resources. In this conversation, Nick Conadera unpacks this concept, along with sharing details about his upcoming films, including one that's inspired by his experience selling Cutco. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. My guest today is Nick Conadera. Nick started selling Cutco back in 2008. He was a sales rep during college. He went to Chapman University, where he was a film and production major. And he is has become a filmmaker ever since college. His signature work so far is a movie called Sharp, the movie, which is a feature film that was inspired by his days selling Cutco. We'll be talking about that today. We'll be talking a little bit about Nick's path. We'll be talking about Nick's days in Cutco and a lot of the lessons he has learned about entrepreneurship and creativity. So Nick Conadera, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, man. I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. This is going to be a really interesting and fun conversation for us to have and for us to share with everyone. So I think it'd be great for everyone to hear a little bit about your personal background, Nick. So you know, before your days of Cutco, tell us a little bit about uh, Nick Conadera. Okay, well, I would say I grew up in a very creative environment. I grew up surfing, skating, snowboarding in sunny San Diego, California. But my parents never married, so I was constantly between the two and going back and forth. And uh, it wasn't a super great upbringing, but uh, I think that split in my family environment 
sort of made me a very shy and quiet and more introverted Mm -hmm. kind of a kid. For a lot of that time in my childhood, I was living in my dad's house and he was a professional artist. He was a graphic designer. He did a lot of marketing and advertising for his clients. And I always uh, had a gift for sort of this artistic. I was always excelling at everything that was creative. Mm-hmm. A lot of art classes, and I won a lot of like art competitions when I was a kid. Then, when I was 13, I think, or maybe 12, yeah, I was going into high school. This is a great commercial for Apple Computer because I was always on an Apple Computer. I've never experienced a PC because my dad was a graphic designer. So I had a cool little G4 Cube. I was really bored one summer, and every Apple comes with. At the time, came with like free movie editing software, free music editing software, free photo editing software. And I can't imagine how many millions of artists and creatives that Steve Jobs and Apple Computer uh, launched because of this free software. But I was one of them. I was just a bored kid one summer and I didn't have anything to do. So I was just playing around on my computer and I would download movies illegally (laughs) from the internet. And I downloaded a bunch of videos of my favorite skateboarders. And then I would edit them together to make sort of like mixtapes of my favorite skate sequences. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. And I also downloaded, you know, movies that you'd see in theaters, which was totally legal. And then I cut, what I did is I cut together some scenes of my favorite skater, Rodney Mullen. And I cut it together with scenes from Ice Age, the Dodo Bird scenes. And it was like really funny. And I experienced a really interesting... I remember this very clearly. It, was, it took place over the course of about five days in one week, editing this little Frankenstein you know, video, if you can call it even a video. And I can't describe in words really what I experienced, but it's what uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, the Hungarian psychologist, calls a crystallization experience. It's what a lot of artists and creatives have um, at a young age that crystallizes their experience of their first creation, that it's a very powerful event that often contributes heavily to an artist's career for the rest of their lives. And they constantly go back to this one experience. Hmm. That's what I experienced because in just that one week, I realized for some reason, I somehow knew I'm going to be doing this, putting images together, editing little stories like this, for the rest of my life. And I don't know how I knew that. It was just this deep inner knowing. And then so I dropped all my honors and AP classes in school to focus completely on making movies. And I joined all the clubs. I took the advanced digital media class. I started pretty quickly winning a bunch of awards, including three Emmy awards, even when I was in high school. And then I went to film school to pursue a career in filmmaking. And that's when I started selling Cutco. Wow. That's awesome story of your early days, Nick. Really cool. And you had that crystallization experience. I bet there'll be people listening to the podcast that can relate to having an experience like that. And then there's a lot of us that like didn't know what we wanted to do until we got you know quite a bit older. And certainly a lot of people that stumbled into Vector didn't think they would be doing Vector for a long time and then just liked it here. And so how does a shy, creative, artistic type get into selling knives? That's a great question. Well, I was trying to get a summer job. See, this is the summer between my sophomore and junior year in, at film school. And I was trying to get a summer job to raise money for, to make my short films because on that level in film school, 
you know, with all of the expenses, a good short film is about Mm $5,000. So I was trying to save money and I needed a job to make money, to save that money, to make more films. Right. I applied everywhere and nobody would hire me. Not even (laughs) like pushing carts in the parking lot. They didn't even hire me. (laughs) uh, I got a letter in the mail. I was a mailer. And the only reason I picked up the phone and called is because I was already looking for a job. But I remember the interview really, really clearly because I was so impressed by uh, my managers and like the way they interviewed me and how professional they were. And so I immediately saw the value of the skills that I would gain because I was definitely was like a shy, quiet kid. I wasn't very confident in myself. And I knew that doing this strange job selling knives would... I knew I could gain the skills I desperately needed to become the filmmaker that I wanted to be because I had always wanted to be a Hollywood director. So how do you get from there to here? You need specific skills that are not found in a normal sort of nine to five corporate environment. Right, right. That what you just said last applies to so many things that you need specific skills that are not found in a normal environment. Right, like normal college teaches us a lot of things that are valuable and are important in life, and quite a few things that aren't so valuable and aren't so important in life. But it misses out on a lot of the most highly relevant skills that everybody needs to be able to not just function in society and function in you know world of employment or world of entrepreneurship, but to be able to thrive and to be one of the top few percent. And what they're doing. And that's where some of the vector skills come into play that really can make a difference. I'd like to hear more from you about some of your experiences with Cutco and just, you know, what were some of the lessons that came out of those experiences? All right. So I would say the most important skill that I gained was sales, obviously. And, but what does that have to do with film and art? There's, I think, at least in American art, industry in the art world in America, there's this meta-narrative myth of the starving artist where artists uh, believe or they're taught for some reason that money is evil and business is bad and self-promotion is selfish. And any contact with these forces is selling out and that's a bad thing. However, if you're truly going to make art and creativity your full-time job, your profession, you're selling yourself constantly. The very nature of being an artist is having to sell something that you've created like an entrepreneur does. Right. And I do both. I do two different types of sales. I do commission work, which is just client work. I do a lot of event videos, brand storytelling, which is just video marketing for mostly for online, for the internet. But I also sell my own ideas. And sometimes they overlap, which is most ideal. But in in both cases, whether it's a client coming to me saying, I want to pay you to make something for me, or if it's me going off my own and making something and figuring out how to raise the money for it or how to sell it, in both cases, I'm I'm selling myself. Mm -hmm. And those sales skills, I'm really, really, really grateful for my experience selling knives because you cannot be a filmmaker in the Hollywood film industry without being able to sell yourself. It's kind of like the boiler room in like a stock market company. It depends highly on your ability to sell yourself. But I would say also, most of all, selling Cutco really allowed me to 
get to know myself better. I think that's what stuck with me the longest. Mm-hmm. Things like handling rejection, overcoming adversity, navigating obstacles, these things that are innate to the job of selling knives teaches you things like you get to learn what are my strengths, what am I best at, what do I enjoy most, things like emotional management, things like time management, money skills, relationship, even relationship building, all these real life skills that kind of go beyond just the business and professional skills. So for me, it was, I think the, the biggest thing I learned is the self-knowledge aspect, the, the Latin uh, maxim, you know, know thyself. Mm-hmm. And I got to know myself on a much deeper level, you know, constantly going up these, up against these interesting, these challenging experiences and having these interesting experiences at people's houses that I didn't even know. Yeah. What are some memorable experiences from your days at Cutco that were part of the inspiration for uh, Sharp the movie? You know, it's interesting when, like, I was a kid, basically. I was like a sheltered, I grew up in suburbia. And coming out of this experience, I really had some real life experience, like how to handle really strange and interesting situations where people are like holding their babies away from you, like you're going to stab them or something, like they're afraid of you or people who are just really skeptical of you. I had a lot of interesting experiences because I, I think customers were too comfortable with me. So it was too easy for them to say no. Mm-hmm. And I think that just came from my ability to connect with people and growing up the way I grew up with two single parents. Like I had to learn very quickly how to connect with all different types of individuals just to survive. Mm-hmm. And I think that allowed me to, to be much better at the job. And I think because of that, people were a lot more comfortable with me, maybe too comfortable. And it was maybe too easy for them to say no which also pushed me to learn how to be more influential in my sales mm-hmm. skills. Um, right. And so, I don't know, it was kind of... It was a really fun challenge. It was a really fun creative practice. And I think that being an artist allowed me to... I think one of the reasons that I was like naturally gifted as a salesperson was that because of my creative ability, I could come up with new ideas on the spot in the moment to handle objections and to handle unexpected experiences. And I just think that my my creativity was a huge advantage in the art of selling. Yes, for sure. For sure. Selling truly is an art. And uh, somebody with creative ideas can can adapt very well to something like this. And it's cool to hear that... Uh, you know, someone who built himself as being kind of shy, you know, and, and uh, uh, in his early days as a kid, grew to become this great connector with people. And, you know, you use the words that maybe people were too comfortable. And, and I'll disagree with that. And that I'll say that the ultimate connection you can make with someone is where they're entirely comfortable being themselves, being authentic. Right. Meaning that if they want to say no, they're going to say no. They're not going to dance around or, you know, buy one knife that they don't feel like buying or order and cancel or whatever. You know, they're going to tell you how they feel. Right. And so you were able to create that ultimate level of connection. And what that ultimate level of connection also opens up is the ultimate level of influence. 
right? And what you had to learn to do is how to pre-frame objections or how to handle them when they came up, right? Because you were having this open communication with people, right? But I would suggest to you that that level of connection is one of your great strengths that you have and uh, certainly something that probably helped you a whole lot more than hurt you, of course. Well said, Dan. Yeah. How about your path after Cutco, Nick? Where did the path take you after you got out of Chapman and started pursuing your career? Yeah. So I first I graduated film school and then I immediately moved to Los Angeles because I figured if I'm going to be a filmmaker, that's where I have to live. And I got my own apartment, which I graduated into a recession. So I didn't, I spent about a week sending out resumes, but I figured out very quickly like this. I'm just waiting for someone to hand me an opportunity on a, on a silver platter. And I didn't think that that was very realistic. So I, I got my own apartment in LA and I had to basically hustle to pay my bills. And so for a whole year, I made it as a professional videographer and I did it, but it wasn't very fulfilling. But because of that, I started working for as the video marketing director with, uh, at the time, it was Sarah Baker Andrus, the head of external relations for Vector Corporate. And mm-hmm. that was part of the transition into making Sharp, which was my first major project of my life because I had done a lot of shorts, even shooting on film with large budgets and large crews, but I'd never undertaken a project of that magnitude. And then after I finished Sharp, I started making the Miracle Morning movie with Hal. And while I was making the Miracle Morning movie, I was around a lot of entrepreneurs and solopreneurs who were doing a lot of events. So I built a business around doing event video. And I ended up working a lot with John Berghoff and Hal Alrod and John Vroman in the Front Row Foundation and a lot of entrepreneurs in their circle of influence. And then after I finished the Miracle Warning movie, I was living in Austin, Texas. And I basically, I don't know how else to explain it. I, I burned all my possessions and I sold my car and got rid of my apartment and bills. And uh, I bought a van to build into a mobile home with no previous construction experience. And... For the past two years, I've been traveling the country, uh, living in a van, and just seeing all the cool places that I've always wanted to see. Crazy. Part of my decision to live in a van was because I was so unhappy. I did the same thing where, like I did in LA, I focused on every day my purpose was to wake up and run this business to pay my bills, basically. Mm -hmm. And I had gotten my job, my full-time job became managing a team of artists and managing this business and managing my clients instead of doing what I love, which is telling stories. Mm-hmm. So I was very unfulfilled. And I had, you know, a nice apartment, a nice car. You know, I had like fancy gym, a bunch of pools, had five run surround sound. Like I had I had a really nice, comfy life. Right. Uh, like six figures. But it just wasn't fulfilling. Part of that transition was to get out of doing client work and transitioning into being a full-time filmmaker. So I've been doing a lot more writing um, my own scripts and a lot more projects that I'm personally interested in, like short films and also client work, but client work that's more creative and more of interest to like personally interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that transition has been... This is a big year for me because I have five feature films coming out of which were all my ideas or I played a major creative role on them. And so the transition going from my main means of income coming from client work to my own art, my own artwork 
is it seems to be culminating this year, which is very, very exciting for me. Yeah. You have five feature films that are going to be coming out at some point in 2020, 2021. Yeah. But can you tell us about one that is not sharp? Yeah. The Miracle Morning movie that I did with Hal is coming out. I think it's October. And that is a documentary on morning routines. It's basically an adaptation of his book, his famous book, The Miracle Warning. But we also followed around a lot of really well-known entrepreneurs to see how they start their day. Mm -hmm. Um, And we interviewed scientists and doctors to dive into the science behind why do these morning practices work and what's actually going on in the brain and the body when you start your day this way. And halfway through filming, that's when Hal was actually diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia, and he was given a 30% chance of survival. Right. He actually said, like, I can't make the movie anymore. I got to stop working. I'm sorry, I can't pay you to do this film anymore. And I basically told him, like, dude, forget the money. This this is the movie now. Like, we have such incredible opportunity to document this experience. So the film started out being about morning routines are valuable enough to get you any amount of income that you want or the relationship that you want or whatever you want to manifest in your from that you can envision to our, our morning routines powerful enough to actually save your life. And as we all know, Hal is uh, perfectly healthy now, which is wow. very, yeah. very, it was a happy ending. And it was a really interesting experience that film took us all on. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I know that uh, the community of Cutco Vector fans and particularly people who know Hal and you will be eagerly awaiting that and be able to enjoy that. That's, that sounds awesome. How about Sharp? How did you come up? Let's talk about the production of Sharp the movie because I know that uh, it's been out for a while, but a new digital release is coming out here soon. And uh, let's talk a little bit about how you got the idea for this. Well, I was actually, I was an assistant manager in the North San Diego office, and I noticed that reps would come in with these great stories. And there are stories that most reps, if you've been a rep long enough, you, you've experienced similar or the same exact stories. And it just seemed to be, even the, the drama and the tension and the pressure of the push period competition, it seemed like the perfect world to put on film. It seemed like perfect storytelling material. And I was really surprised because there's been so many reps and there are millions of customers that it hadn't already been done before. So in my senior year of film school, I started writing the script and for, for my feature screenwriting class. And it was just really resonating with the other writers in the class. And I thought, I think I really have something here. But then after I graduated film school. That's when I moved to LA. I got my own apartment. You know, I hustled to, to pay my bills and uh, I was just unfulfilled. And I was actually... The decision came... I was, I was journaling on New Year's Eve and I had just spent like a whole year, or I guess it was maybe nine months, you know, just hustling as a videographer. And I was just so unfulfilled and I was journaling about how I felt and why I had gotten to this point. And I remember very clearly, I was looking up at the movie posters on my wall in my bedroom as I was journaling. And I realized the only time I've ever been really, truly happy and fulfilled is when I was making films. So I have this great script. And I made a decision right then and there 
that I was going to drop all my clients. So I would have no beans of income. And I was going to put all of my time and energy into making the script into a feature film. Hmm. And because I was working as the video marketing director for Vector Corporate, um, that put me in a really unique position where I had a good relationship with the CEOs. And I put some money together to uh, start... I hired an attorney to start an LLC and to draft the private placement memorandum, the PPM documents and operating agreement so that I can take investments. Yep. I also made a really great short film that was kind of got really people really interested because again I was I was working as the video marketing director so everybody knew me and it got really people really interested in the idea of a, a movie about Cutco and I also made these really sweet pitch packages and I sent I think 30 of these pitch packages out to pretty much everybody I knew who had money and I think I got 20 responses I set 10 appointments to meet with these individuals and I closed six of them to raise a total of $222,000 to produce this film. And wow. Awesome. Then I hired just over a hundred artists and professionals during, you know, the worst recession of my generation. And now it's coming out on Amazon, Google and Apple TV. The re-release date is July 11th, 2020. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So there's going to be Cutco reps all over the United States watching that this summer. That's going to be really fun, I'm sure, for people to see. So, wow, you raised uh, over $200,000 to be able to to produce the movie? Affirmative. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. What were some of the other challenges involved in being able to produce a movie of this uh, scope? Well, filmmaking in general is quite an undertaking. It's kind of like running a Fortune 500 company in a very compressed time period. The, you know, just the, the sheer, the amount of people that I have to hire. Um, I also auditioned about a thousand actors to fill the 40 role. I think it was about 40 roles on screen roles, managing a whole, I think the biggest challenge was I was the creative influence. I was the director and the writer as well as the business person. Mm -hmm. That required a lot of that required a lot from me um and it almost it almost took me out it almost killed me uh, on a couple different occasions it was just incredibly exhausting really 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 fulfilling it was the best time of my life but also really really exhausting and by the time uh, we were finished with production i was just ready to crawl into a dark hole and sleep for for a while (laughs) i traveled for a while while my editor put together the first cut and then came back and and finished it premiered it so any movie that we would normally see out there has a team of people who are in sort of the executive roles of the movie whereas when you did this you were doing everything no, on the producer side, I had a team of about half a dozen producers, but most of them were filled executive producer roles, which means that they gave the money and that's all they did. I did right. have, but my producer really, he was trying to save money. So he decided to do everything himself. And I think he was a little overwhelmed. So I had to take up a lot of the slack that I would not normally be doing as a director because I should be focusing on working with the actors and focusing on the creative stuff. Mm-hmm. But I ended up having to do a lot of logistical stuff, a lot of producerial tasks that 
I shouldn't have done, but that's, you know, it's an independent film. $200,000 is not a lot of money for, right. for a feature film. Right. But the creative roles I hired, director of photography, production designer, uh, wardrobe, you know, lighting, every creative role, sound editing, they all had, they were all filled by people that I trusted that I went to film school with. Right. But you were the director, you were helping the producer, you were the personnel manager, the, you know, business manager, like you had to wear a bunch of different hats in the production of this movie, right? Yes. That is the nature of independent film. Mm -hmm. The way it is. Wow. It just seems like such an undertaking. It is. It's pretty, it's pretty massive. And like I said, I mean, it, I would say it's, it's a lot of uh, spiritual experience because this baby that I'm giving birth to basically needs all of my attention and I'm channeling something from somewhere where this thing is, this energy, this thing is coming through me to manifest into physical reality and uh, I have a lot of respect for females who give birth because it's a very exhausting experience. But <laughs> <laughs> The artistic, creative male version of uh, childbirth. Yeah. I think I heard males like to make stuff because we can't make babies. <laughs> Maybe so. That might be true. Yeah. Well, what can you tell the audience about Sharp that will uh, pique their interest in making sure they watch right away? It's really funny. The logline, it's a charming indie dramedy about a lazy stoner surf bum who has to adapt to the corporate world and learn how to become a professional to sell knives, to be a knife salesman in order to support his family after his dad loses his job. And it's in a lot of ways, it is not traditionally narrative because there is no, pro, you know, there's no antagonist. He's just up against all the forces that you would experience being a, a you know, sales rep selling knives. And so it's very funny. Um, and seeing this character transition from this lazy stoner who all he does is surf to like the push, you know, does he become the champion? You don't know. You have to see it to find out. Yeah, but it's, it's really cool to see that transition on screen. And I think every sales rep relates to it because everybody goes through that transition and everybody comes of age through that experience. And a lot of, or I would say several, about a handful of reps have reported to me that they hit their push goal or they sold 10K for a push because they watched this film. Or they had like, you know, one manager told me that they, a rep had a huge 10K fast start after they watched the film. So I, I guess it does, in a lot of ways, it's about entrepreneurship, it's about personal growth, and it is very inspirational and motivational. And I think it does get inside you a little bit to you know inspire you to go hit your own goals that's awesome I, I love the coming of age example because everybody in cutco that's been here for any length of time that's not a brand new rep is going to be able to relate to the idea of i was this before i got to this job and through this job i became this right and like i might not have been a surfer stoner type right but i had my stereotypical traits of a 17 year old that probably weren't that great that probably weren't going to take me to where i wanted to be in life and then you know as i went along through two years three years four years 
on this job. I transformed into a young professional, you know, and have continued that evolution ever since. And that's, that's the story of anyone that comes into Vector is the transformation, the evolution, what we learn, how we grow, right? That's, uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I think that's probably why it resonates with, with so many reps and managers who, who watch it. Yeah. It's a, it dovetails with the changing lives theme of this podcast, Nick. So uh, I think people will enjoy it for that, uh, for that aspect for sure. Well, listen, you know the Cutco Vector audience pretty well, and I'd love to hear what other advice or insight you might have for all the people who are young entrepreneurs, young leaders that uh, want to be able to pursue their passions and be successful down the road. Well, I would say my experience selling knives and also being an entrepreneur has taught me that entrepreneurship is a highly, highly creative activity. Indeed. The value of it, creativity is so incredibly valuable. I think, you know, there's a saying or this metaphor that there's a left brain and a right brain, the, the creative side and the analytical side. And it's, that doesn't actually, that's not actually how our brains work. It's just a way to describe the two different capacities of the brain. And being around so many entrepreneurs and uh, professionals in a more corporate environment, such as Vector, I hear all the time that like oh i'm not a i'm not a creative person or i hear pretty often compliments like oh i admire you so much because you're so creative but i have to disagree because being human is to be creative it's something mm-hmm. that is unique to our brains and every human brain has that capability and since i started working with Hal Elrod making the miracle morning movie I was doing a lot, like I said, I was doing a lot of these event videos and I basically built a business around my creative art practice of telling stories with the camera. And what I found was really astounding to me coming into the business world, being an artist, I found that the practice of business actually required a lot more creativity from me than my own art practice of filmmaking, which is already highly, highly creative practice of all different mediums like film is sound music you know uh visuals lighting storytelling acting like there's so many creative roles that need to be filled i found business required even more creativity from me and even all the entrepreneurs and solopreneurs that i worked with during those four years when i was making the miracle morning movie they were some of the most creative and prolific creatives that i had ever met um, even considering that I've worked with so many artists and they just didn't, they didn't describe themselves as artists. Mm-hmm. Described, they, the word they used was entrepreneur. So while I was making the Miracle Morning movie, I was actually also getting my MFA from Goddard College and uh, so that I could teach because I, I, I want to help other artists learn business and entrepreneur and, and uh, money skills because I think they're some of the people that need it most. And so I, I decided to use my MFA to, as an opportunity to study business as an art form. And I used my business, Conadera Studios, as the work of art on display in my graduating portfolio presentation. That was a requirement for... It was basically my thesis. That was a requirement for to, to get my MFA. And they weren't too keen on that. like. Um, 
the academic art world wasn't very open to, honestly, um, wasn't very open to considering business as an art form. So it took a lot of time and research for me to figure out how exactly to articulate, Mm -hmm. you know, the creative practice of business as an art form. But it turns out there is actually a movement in contemporary art history called social practice art in which the medium that artists use is connections between people, which is business basically. And there are even artists who call themselves social practice artists who are really business owners. They're entrepreneurs. Like they're creating businesses and they're saying, no, this is, I'm an artist and this is my artwork, which is really interesting. So if anything, I hope that my experiences, my stories and my mere existence can show people that the power of creativity in something even as left-brained as business or is that right-brained whichever side it is yeah (laughs) got it that's awesome that's great thanks nick for that so as you look into your future nick what, what are you most excited about well like i said this is a big year for me uh transitioning into being a full-time creator, a full-time artist. But I think what I'm most excited about is I'm still sort of doing the van thing. And over the last two years, I've had so many interesting experiences. Living in a van, I think, is personal growth on steroids. It's really, really challenging. It's super fun and freeing. But also, I think we're so used to the comforts of you know having a toilet and running water and heat and air conditioning. So shedding myself of all these, you know, modern luxuries and putting myself back into being sort of a hunter gatherer has been a huge learning experience. And I, so I wrote a book about everything that I learned telling the story of my journey living in a van and which is a different, it's a, I I am a screenwriter. So I, I'm very used to expressing myself with words, but writing a book and doing prose is a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. So it's been a very challenging creative process, but I'm very excited about my book coming out. It's called 70 Miles Per Hour. And there will be also an extended web series because I'm also a filmmaker. And I had a whole crew follow me around throughout this whole process to document it. And so there will be a web series coming out to promote it. But I think that's what I'm most excited about right now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's a lot of fun stuff. Nick, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think uh, people will get some great ideas out of it, have a lot of fun with it. And I'm sure you'll drum up a whole ton of fans from the Cutco Vector audience who will be uh, supporting Sharp the Movie and your book here in the the months ahead. So thanks so much for making time for the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. It was a blast. All right. See you later. Nick Conadera. Yes, that was fun. I enjoyed that conversation. I hope you did as well. Pretty cool to hear how, you know, art and creativity and filmmaking goes all the way back to Nick's childhood and, and having that crystallization experience where he knew that was what he wanted to do. Still, he found himself working in a sales job with Cutco because he realized when he went to the interview, the value of the skills that he would gain through this position. I love where he said you you can't be a filmmaker without being able to sell yourself, that art is entrepreneurship, that art is selling. 
And I think we can tie that statement, that idea into most everything that we do, because in everything we do, we are influencing others. And being able to have the skills to do that effectively are vital for success in life. Of course, uh, Nick has produced the Miracle Morning movie, uh, which you'll all get to see here coming up soon. Sharp the movie, inspired by his experience selling Cutco in San Diego, working as an assistant manager, seeing all the stories of reps, and being able to share the idea of the evolution or transformation that occurs in an individual who embraces this opportunity and grows with it as they are, you know, advancing and learning and moving up uh, within Vector. I also love where Nick said entrepreneurship is a highly creative activity, that being human is to be creative. And so I'll leave you with this question to ponder for today. How will you channel your innate creativity to bring in more of what you want in life? That's one for you to ponder for today. Hope you enjoyed meeting and getting to know Nick Conadera. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 